If you Google what's the meaning of life, you get 7.3 billion pages that come up offering you some kind of answer. Um, it used to be the top question, actually, that people asked of Google, what's the meaning of life? But last year, it changed. Anyone want to know what the top um, thing people Google is now? Any ideas? What should I watch on Netflix? That's the top Google search in the UK. Anyone want to know what the second most popular Google search is? Or any ideas what it might be? Matt Hancock. No, not Matt Hancock. Anything else? What's next week's lottery numbers? What's next No, it's actually, where is my refund? Where is my refund? What an interesting question, isn't it? And it just reveals, actually, our tendency as human beings to focus on things that are actually not that important. We've gone from the meaning of life to where's my refund. Now this morning as we look at continuing to reconnect with God and with each other, as we've already said, we are focusing on the word of God, the written word, the Bible, the Bibles that we have in front of us. And without the Bible, it's actually impossible to know the Lord at any great depth. That is, that is the truth, isn't it? We can't know God's will, we can't know God's ways for us. The Bible is the revelation of God to us. It tells us of the problems of our sin. It tells us of why Jesus loves us and came to save us. It tells us of the glorious future that we have with him. Hebrews 4 verse 12, we already heard this verse this morning. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now this morning, I don't want us to spend time looking at the technicalities of how we got the Bible, but really as to how the Bible can transform my life. What it can do to know God's word at a deeper level. You see, over the last few weeks, we've had some quite meaty topics that we've looked at, haven't we? We've looked at forgiveness and reconciliation, how the gifts of the Spirit should be in use within the church. Now if we want to get all those things right, we need to have our foundations deep in the word of God. Without the revelation of God, we're left with human opinion. Now, I have lots of opinions about things. We all do, don't we? We all have lots of opinions. Sometimes I don't even agree with my own opinions. I'm so sort of fluctuating in my own thought processes. But, you know, without revelation, we're just left with opinion. That is what we're left with. What would you rather have today? God's revelation of himself in his word or be reliant on living your life with your own opinions? So today, very practically... How can reading the Bible help us to know God's ways for our life? Chris, are you hogging the, the clicker there somewhere? He is. He's got a pile of things on here, isn't it? It's the clicker. Not all of them are his. Well, here we go. He's been stealing as well, have you? Is that <laughs> confession time? Right, so why are we not reading the Bible? And what does it do when we don't read the Bible? And what are all the consequences? Just a few things to think about. Recent surveys suggest that in the UK, millennial Christians, that is people born around the millennium, so people who are now in their 20s, who are professing Christians, 9% of them read the Bible every day. It goes up to about 13% when you add in people who read it weekly. So young Christians are only reading the Bible, 13% of them in a week, 87% are not engaging with the Word of God. I couldn't find a British study for adults, but here's a US one. It says the figures are exactly the same across all age groups. 87% of Christians are not reading the Bible at least once a week. 
There's another survey done that talks about why people aren't reading the Bible. The top thing was 27% who just said, it's just not a priority for me. It's not a priority. It's not the thing that is resonating. Second one, I don't have the time. Yet the average person spends three hours, 15 minutes on a smartphone every day. Yet no time for God's word. I don't see how it relates to me, 9%. And I don't read at all, so why would I read the Bible? You know, you don't have to read the Bible. You can listen to it. If you've got version on your phone, if you've not, get it on there. It's, it's great. And you can just press audio, and it will read it to you. It's wonderful. I remember driving to Yorkshire not long ago, listening to the book of Ezekiel on the way there. It was brilliant, because you could just hear it, bit, you know, chapter after chapter after chapter being read to you. I was on my own, just <laughs> thinking the boys sat there thinking, why are you listening to Ezekiel all the, all the way through? But it's great. There are ways to do this. Well, in a moment, we're going to dive into Psalm 119. And it's a great psalm that is all about the Word of God, about the centrality of the Word of God in our lives. Now, in the case of the psalmist in Psalm 119, the psalmist is talking about Torah, which is the Hebrew word for the law, the, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the psalmist didn't have access to the full range of scripture that we have. But I want us to look through this psalm, but look at it through the context of one particular verse. And that's the verse 105, where it says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Can we read that together? Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The psalms were always meant to be read out corporately. Should we read it again? Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. If you forget everything else that I'm about to say, try and remember that verse this morning. It's about our, our, our life being, being a pathway. We often talk about life as a journey, as a pathway. And it's about how the word of God brings illumination to that pathway. So if you've got a Bible with you, or you want to follow it on the screen, we're in Psalm 119. You'll be thankful if you know the psalm. I'm not going to read the whole lot because it is very, very long. But I'm going to read from verses 1 through to verse 16, and then I will read verse 105 again. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be, that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees then I would not be put to shame. When I consider all your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn of your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to the Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And then verse 105. Here it comes. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Lord, we just pray that as we look into this psalm, that the richness of this psalm will indeed illuminate the path of our lives today. 
Speak to us by your spirit, Lord. Open our hearts that we might receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 119, it's a very long psalm. If you have a quick flick through, it goes on verse after verse after verse after verse. Apparently, it carries a nickname called the Giant Psalm, simply because it's so long. There are 22 individual stanzas within the psalm. Each one um, starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's what's called an acrostic psalm. Um, It also has some very key words in it. There are eight key words that appear throughout the psalm. Law, statute, precept, decree, command, judgment, word, and promise. And the 22 verses all um, use these words, at least five of them in all of them, and all of them are used in five, if that makes any sense. But it's a very, very detailed psalm, very expertly written. The person who's written it knows a good deal about what they're talking about. And it's written within what's called the wisdom style of the Old Testament writings, the wisdom literature. Very similar to Psalm 1, very similar to the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, where effectively the writer looks at two different paths of life. One is the way of the righteous that leads to godly ways and leads to good things. The other way is the way of folly, the way that leads to destruction, the way that leads to sin. We don't know who the author is of this psalm. If we were in an Eastern Orthodox church today, we'd be looking at this as a psalm of David, one that he would have used to teach his son Solomon. The Bible doesn't actually tell us. Other people have suggested this is a much later psalm written by Daniel. Um, But we don't actually know. And again, the Bible doesn't say. The psalm would have been used in temple worship. It would have taken quite a while to use it. If you've got your Bible there, have a look through. Again, it's very long. And it would have probably been used as some kind of meditation. Now, we live in a post-ascension world. The Spirit has been poured out. And we have the access to the full Word of God, right the way from Genesis through to Revelation. But all of Scripture is inspired. This is what the Bible says. John, have we got the PowerPoint? Will it come back up? Here we go. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what we have in front of us in this psalm is still useful to us today. It still has riches that we can learn from. And it talks about two different types of light, the lamp for our feet and the light on our path. Now, if you've got a phone with you that's got a torch on it, could you just get your phone out for a moment? Nigel, could you do me the honors of switching the lights off? I want you to turn your torch on on your phone. Apologies if you're online, if I've just suddenly disappeared. It's probably a blessing for you, really. But anyway, get your your torch, shine it on your feet. Can you see your feet? You're probably thinking, I need to polish my shoes or something similar. But can you see your feet? Is that bright enough? Yeah, right. Now what I want you to do is I want you to turn it and shine it at the front of church like that. Now I'm getting dazzled. Is it lighting the front of church at all? No? No? No, it's just lighting me up, probably from the back. There we go. Right, okay, you can turn those off now. Nigel, can we have the lights back on? In the evening, we sometimes take our dog for a walk, and we go through the the park in Thelwall. And as as you go into that park, you come to a part of the path where it goes into darkness. And you're walking through the park, and you can't see a thing. There are trees, um, it's, it's just pretty pitch black. And we do exactly what we've just done then. We've got the dog with us, me and Claire take out our phones and we put our torches on and we shine it in the pathway in front. 
And it just gives us enough light to make sure we don't walk into a tree, to make sure we don't veer off the path, and to make sure that we can just about get through the park in one piece. It doesn't shine much into the, the sideways of the path. It doesn't reveal where the path is going. It just gives us a little bit in front of us. It's the lamp to our feet, if you like. just reveals that little bit. God is very interested in our everyday lives. I hope we know that this morning, that, that God cares for us deeply. He cares about everything that happens to us. There are all kinds of verses in the Bible that just remind us that God is passionate about our everyday lives. 1 Peter 5 verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Perhaps you just need to hear that today. God cares for you. God is deeply concerned with everything that goes on in your life. Peter doesn't say he removes all those anxieties, just that you can cast them onto him and he journeys with us. He is good. God is good. He is gracious. He is kind. He longs to direct our lives. And just as the light to our feet, the lamp to our feet, shines just on our bit of the pathway, so actually what the psalmist is doing is reminding us that God's word shines on the bits of our life that are unique to us. You know that bit of the pathway that we're walking on? Actually, to people round and about, it's not that important, but to us it matters a huge amount. If we're not going to stumble, if we're not going to trip up, we need the lamp that is just directing our feet. Think about those things in your life at the moment that matter to you and possibly matter to those close to you, but aren't of, of sort of world significance. So I think about my life. I think about my friends, my home, my family, my own well-being, my mental well-being, my physical well-being, my holiness, my faith in the Lord Jesus. All those things that actually matter to me deeply and matter to God, but they're just in my small sphere of influence. You know, they're not, they're not earth-shattering of themselves. Now, Psalm 119 tells us that God shines his light onto our lives, onto the unique part of our lives that is just ours, the lamp to our feet. We don't share our feet with anyone else, do we? You may think, thank goodness for that. We just have our own, and the light shines upon them. But you know, often the things that God's word says to me are not the things that I'm actually that passionate about. As we read this psalm, we find out that the things that God is passionate about are the things to do with me becoming like him rather than just seeking answers to all those little niggly questions that we have in our lives. So we're going to look at three different things about how the lamp shines onto our path and how God calls us to live through his word in different ways. And if you've got a Bible there, look at verse 1 of Psalm 119. It says, "'Blessed are those whose ways are blameless.'" who walk according to the law of the Lord. I wonder how you pray for yourself. It's good to pray for yourself, actually. I think it's important. I think it's something Scripture encourages us to do. But prayer and Bible reading have to go hand in hand. We pray as we read the Bible, and we read the Bible as we pray. Those two things going hand in hand. Now, I've mentioned this a number of times, but often my prayers, unless I catch myself and stop myself from just doing it, are either, God, help me in this situation, or make this bad situation stop. And those tend to be the, the limit of what I pray for. And then I read God's word, and God pushes the boundaries out. And he starts to say, start praying and reading the Bible so that actually you can grow in holiness, so that you can become more like me, 
so that your priorities are aligned with the priorities of God. Now, don't hear me wrong. There is nothing at all wrong with praying for guidance in life. Absolutely nothing wrong at all. And if you're praying, whether to change jobs, get married or move house, or all three at once, whatever big life decisions you're praying about, pray away. God cares. Cast your anxieties onto him. Pray and read the Bible and see what God is saying. And if you need Bible verses that help in particular situations, this is a really great resource. Um, good news for everyone. Arthur is a, uh, works with this. Where's Arthur? Where are you? Formerly the Gideons. Um, brilliant website here where if you go onto their website, they have a whole load of Bible helps. Where if you're looking for Bible verses about particular things, um, it will help you um, as to which Bible passages to look at. So I don't know if you can see that. I'll just point to it. So here we're on the letter N at the moment. The moment. So needing comfort, it will give you some Bible verses. Needing guidance, needing peace. And it just gives you passages of Scripture where you can go and have a look. So whether it's for encouragement or whether you're feeling tempted by a particular sin or whatever it might be, that is a really helpful resource to go to. It's very natural to seek the Lord's guidance. It's very natural to open God's word and to say, God, what are you saying to me? And many things we will also need to pray about as well, because the Bible will not tell us about which job to go for, not specifically. It will not give us revelation as to which house specifically to, to move into. And that's why we still need the gifts, don't we? God is a God who speaks in the here and now. He has spoken in his word, but he continues to speak by his spirit. But the psalmist, his first words are, God, help me to live a blameless life. Do you want to live a blameless life? Do you want a life of holiness? Do we want to live life in step with the spirit? See, many of the great prayers in the Bible, they're prayers basically for that. Think of the Lord's Prayer. What do we pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done. We're praying for the aligning of the priorities of heaven to what we're doing in our lives. If you know Paul's great prayer to the Ephesian church, for the Ephesian church, what does he pray? That the my eyes of my heart would know you more, for a greater sense of revelation, for a greater sense of being able to walk in the ways of God. So we get stuck into God's decrees, God's story, and God's word reveals that to us. We study so that we know his priorities. You know, holiness is the best way of living. It is the best way of living because it's God's way. It's the way that the Spirit wants us to live. But if we don't get into our Bibles, how else would we know to love our neighbor? How else would we know that actually God's heart, as we read in the book of Micah, is for justice and for mercy? How else would we know that actually we're not just called to love our neighbor, but to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us? It's only by delving deep into God's word. And I absolutely love that magic trick with the water. That was fantastic. I'll have to find out how you did that one. That might come in useful at some point. But how do we get into God's word? I think sometimes if you've been a Christian for a while, we get stuck with the practicalities of how to read the Bible. And just a few pointers. Um, version. I've mentioned that already. Brilliant app has all kinds of daily reading plans on it, those kind of things. You can do all sorts with it. Lexio 365, I know, Chris, you were talking about that um, a few weeks back, another great app for reading the Bible. Um, if you're into your printed versions, I think every day with Jesus is still going. I don't know if anyone still uses that. It is still going. Daily bread, um, daily Bible notes. I've got a pile of books over here as well. Um, I'm going old school today. Here's some illustrations of things that I find particularly helpful. 
Um, study Bibles. Who uses the Study Bible? We've got one? Yeah, we've got one. I love this one. This is just a dead basic NIV study Bible. And as you read it, what it does is it just gives you enough sort of background information so that you know why a book was written, who it was written to, what it was written for, and how to expect God to speak to you through it. Another one that I really like is the Life Application Study Bible. This is a New Living Translation. Um, that's a bit more, it applies the Bible to your life as well. It doesn't just tell you the background info, but it asks you sort of applicational questions. What is it that God might be saying to you in the here and now? If you want to go in in a bit more depth, this is the Bible Speaks Today. Always good value as a commentary series. Very readable. Um, book of James is five chapters long. Look how long that book is. You can see there's a lot of detail, a lot of background, a lot of help there. If you're feeling really, really like studying the Word Bible commentary series, they're a bit academic, but they do really delve in. Don't be afraid, though, of academic Bible study. Because you know what? I was thinking about this. At its best, scholarship is an accumulation of what the Holy Spirit has said to the church over 2,000 years, distilled into other people's writings. So providing you're reading good stuff, it can really help bring the Bible alive. If you like it online, you can get any of those things online. You can put them on your computer, whatever works for you. But let's get studying God's Word, delving deep into what the Bible says. Other things that I find really helpful is if you're reading a gospel, just sit down and read it like a novel. You know, read big chunks of it at once. Get a sense of the narrative, a sense of the flow. You can do it with some of the Old Testament narratives as well. And also read it the other way. Go very, very slowly. You know, read a verse. Put yourself into the position of the author of the, of the scripture and say, what, what is he trying to get out of what God is doing? So read it in different ways. Do you remember the tour? Yeah? Remember the tour from, I don't know, 18 months ago when we finished that? Um, Chris, I was talking to him just before the service. That will be available in a nicely packaged version at some point in the not-too-distant future. But we read to be changed. We read for holiness. We read to become more like Jesus. But we also read with expectancy. Verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all your heart. What's your heart seeking today? What's your heart longing for? There's a phrase that, that I've heard a number of times, particularly on films and things, that says the heart wants what the heart wants. Now that is honest, it's true, but what a dangerous motto to live by. Because sometimes the heart wants things that is totally against God's will. The psalmist says, Blessed is those who have heard and read of the Lord's ways, who have started to walk in his paths and still want more. Are we expectant that God has more to do in us? I came across a quote a while ago. This was about the world-famous cellist called Pablo Casals, who said this when he was 90. He was asked, why do you continue to practice for four or five hours a day? And he gave the answer, because I think I'm making progress. If you're a musician in the room today, you will know that you never get to the end of your instrument or learning it. Um, and it's the same with reading the scriptures. Don't ever think we've got there. Don't ever think we've got there in terms of knowing all that God would do in our lives. There is always more. The water keeps pouring, doesn't it? Yeah, just keeps going and going. There is always more to bathe into of the word of God. Are we hungry for God? Yes, we need to pray. Yes, absolutely, we worship. Yes, to fellowship. Yes, to all this reconnecting with one another. But we need to be people of the word, people delving into scriptures with expectancy that as we dive in, 
God will speak to us. And then thirdly, verse 12, praising. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. What happens as we find God's ways for us? What happens as we dive in? Well, it turns to praise. It means that actually our hearts long to respond to all that God has done. The word for praise in the Hebrew is the word halal, and it simply means to shine, to be boastful, and to glorify. To boast about what God has done. Do do we, do we long to glorify God for what he has done and what he continues to do? There's another light we just briefly need to look at. And this is the light on our path. Back to the, the dog walk in the evenings. And before we get into the park where we need our torches on, the first part of the path is actually well lit. And there's these tall lampposts, a bit like you can see down that path there. That, that cast an enormous amount of light over the path. And we can see where we're heading. And we can't just see where we're heading, but we can see a little bit to the sides, and we can see a long way ahead. It does an awful lot more than just shine on our feet. And you can see some color. You can see some detail. And what the psalmist is talking about is that God's word doesn't just illuminate our little bit of life. It does, absolutely. But it also shines the way into the future. It shines the way so that we can have a big picture view and put our lives within a bigger context. And it does this kind of shining just here onto our feet, onto our unique experiences, but it also shines it into God's glorious future. God's word lights up our paths. As we dive into God's word, we don't just find guidance for today, but we find out God's ultimate plans for humanity. And you know, when we are in Christ, they are very good plans. There is a hope, there is a future, there is prophetic hope, certain hope of eternity. Now, our world at the moment is a world that needs something good to speak about, isn't it? It needs something good to look at. We we are in a a world of war. We are in a world of earthquakes, of um, terrible train crashes that, that we saw on the news this week, a cost of living crisis, pandemic, illness, whatever it is. And the words of Jesus, when he simply says in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world, start to paint a very different picture of where God is moving things. God is sovereign. God's sovereign will shines us into the future. Now, it's interesting, as a light shines on a path, there are still questions at the side that we don't always know the answers to. And that's what's called faith, actually, when we're following the Lord. Sometimes we will still have questions but we now have a framework with which to answer those questions as we move forward and see God shining us into the future. We have revelation, not just opinion. We have hope, not just wishful thinking. We have a context in which to live that allows us to do all this thing this psalm talks about. I wonder today, what do you need? Do you need more of the lamp to your feet or more of the light to your path? What do we need? It'll be different for for each of us, won't it? I sometimes wonder as Christians whether we we sort of overemphasize the the lamp to our feet and we forget to actually celebrate that actually God has lit up the path right ahead for us, that we know what is coming, we know where we're heading. So I don't know where you land today. I don't know actually what you need, but perhaps that's something just to reflect about. But can I encourage you, open your Bibles this afternoon, read Psalm 119 all the way through. Get a big sense of flow as to what God is saying in this incredible psalm. So just three things to think about. Just basically, are we hungry for God? Are we hungry for God? Keep reading his word.
keep diving in, delving into the revealed word of God? Are we longing to know his will for my, and I put that in brackets, unique life? The things that are only to do with my feet, the things that are only to do with my sphere of life. Get into God's word. Seek his heart for us. Are we longing to know his ultimate plans? Well, he shines his light on the path of our lives. Let me pray for us, and then I'll hand back over to Chris. Lord, this morning we've been looking at the importance of your word. I just want to pray for each of us for that real hunger and desire to delve deeply into your scriptures. Lord, perhaps if we have put Bible reading on the back burner for whatever reason, Lord, I just pray that you will reignite a passion for your word. That we may live our lives in the knowledge of your revelation. Holy Spirit, do a work in us. Give us that passion, we pray. For Jesus' sake. Amen.